0: Lord Father in Jesus name please set a fire down in each of our souls Father burn away all of the dross Father all of the things that are displeasing to you Lord all of the things Lord that continue to be a stumbling block in our life Father we pray that you would burn it away the causes of the stumbling blocks are in us so Lord burn those things away please in Jesus name Lord we want to be pleasing to you Lord We want to be sons and daughters of the Most High on display for this lost and dying world to see. That you may be glorified. You, Lord, deserve all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. So now, Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with us. Teach us, lead us, God is Holy Spirit. Have your way in Jesus' name. amen, Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to kind of pick up almost where we left off with the last few scriptures. I believe the Lord has not finished. There's some meat on the bone, as it were. Amen. So one of the scriptures we were in last week was commit your way to the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. So my brothers and sisters, again, I want to make sure that we all understand this isn't, you know, the name it and claim it, the uh, prosperity gospel, whatever you want. You know, you do the right thing and say the right thing and then it's going to happen. No, no, no. This is saying that when you're trusting in the Lord, you know, his ways become your ways and it's going to happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Proverbs 16. It's not going to be up there. Just listen with me. Uh, Proverbs 16:1 through 3. Here's what it says. The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. See, it's hand in hand. When we commit our ways to the Lord, what happens is our ways become His ways, and it's done. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now, um, we asked ourselves last week, I believe the question was for all of us in this room, and and certainly want to welcome and just give thanks to those who, or for those who are watching all over the, this country, and certainly the Philippines, Germany, I don't want to miss anybody, but if you're listening or watching, praise God, we're glad that you're here, but I also want to encourage you to join a local church, a body of believers that you could be committed to, and that you can go ahead and serve as you are being served in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. So last week, the, the question was, um, is our life self-centered, is our life God-centered, amen? amen? Are we self-centered in how we approach our lives, or are we God-centered, is God the ones, Amen that we're serving. Philippians, remember we were in Philippians also, Philippians chapter four, beginning verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. My brothers and sisters, I can't emphasize this enough. Remember, all of those things that has to be those things that are virtuous, those things that are praiseworthy worthy, and so on and so forth. Those things that are of highly value according to God, not according to the generation, not according to the culture, because if that were the case, man... Just about anything goes, and and, and and right now, wrong is right, right is wrong, and you know that. I don't have to keep telling you over and over again. Although, my brothers and sisters, we need to be armed and dangerous, and that's why we're here today. Amen? We Amen. need to be armed and dangerous. So all of those things that this is talking about, uh, whoever that is, just cut it off. All of those things, my brothers and sisters, they are they tend to be distractions. But if we go ahead and keep our eyes on these things and let God define what these things that are praiseworthy, amen, hallelujah. Now finally in verse nine, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. And remember last week, the God of Peace, this is Shalom. this is wellness this is This is not just uh, the lack of chaos, as it were. this is not I can finally get a rest and those of us who are working hard, those of us who are raising children or wherever it is, we have jobs and we have all of these other things, and we 're trying to serve the Lord and, and and do all of these things, working a lot of hours. I know there are people in this room that work a lot of hours. You work some many hours you can 't even make it here on Wednesday just just teasing you, maybe listen. <laughs> So, so think about that for a moment. We are, we are very busy. We have to do these things and, and, and you know, we have so many things to take care of. But yet, my brother, still in the middle of all of that, we can have the peace of God, this shalom. Amen. But it has to be because He is the ruler. He is the Lord of our lives. We are, we are meditating on the things that He calls virtuous, the things that He calls praiseworthy, the things that you know, He has ordained. Amen? Are you with me? And that would be with us, even in the midst of everything that we do, even in the midst of the bad things. And I got to be honest with you, uh, that's not—it's easy to say, hard to do. Amen. Amen? I, I'm like you. I mean, this isn't my only job. I'm like you. I mean, I have job, I have family, I have things. I it's just like you. So I'm not standing up here saying I've got this all nailed. Y'all need to No, I'm—I I, want to be like the Apostle Paul. You know, that's—that's. That's, I want to make sure that. Listen he's not just saying it, he's doing it. Amen? Amen? And, that, and that's what he's saying. The things that you see me do, the, the things that I'm teaching you, the things that we're learning from the Word of God, the things that we've seen Jesus do through this Word of God, the things that we've um, seen the Apostle Paul suffer through this Word of God, we need to do those things. We need to value those things and do those things. Amen? Amen. And so then, listen, here's, here's what happens. I, I, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here already. I'm sorry, folks. But here's what happens. Because of, of I'm going to say us, me, us, me, I'm over 60. There are others in this room who are older than me, but there are many in this room who are not. And there are many in this room that represent generations below us, the up and coming. I have grandchildren. I have children. Amen? Amen. And so listen, it's important that we walk those things and then we could say to our children and our children's children, the things that, you, that you're hearing preached and the things that you see us do, That's important. I'm going to emphasize that as long as the Lord continues to allow me. We cannot expect our children to do things that we're not willing to do. And we cannot expect our children not to do things that they see us doing. Listen. Isn't that so rudimentary, so elementary? And yet, I, I, I find myself in the position of, of repeating these things. And it's the same thing in the church. Let's just talk about now church people. I'm responsible, and in a way, we're all responsible for the younger children, even the ones outside of our household. If you're a child of God, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you serve as an example to my children, my grandchildren, and I serve as an example to yours as well. Why? We're one family. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... Uh, are you that doesn't mean that I take off my shoe and throw it at them. <laughs> that does, no, it doesn't mean but but what, but what it does mean is the things that we talk about they need to see acted out in our lives amen. all of us amen. hallelujah hallelujah amen amen, amen. <clears throat> but I want to read to you something because remember what the, the, I, re, I really believe that the lord is is just crushing and pinning and it's again very rudimentary very very, but so genuine and so real and relevant for where we are right now. Amen. Okay, is your life self-centered or God-centered? So we could. There's another way of saying it. Who's the king of your life? Amen. You, your spouse. But who are you serving? Your boss. Come on. Who has to say so over your life? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be reading. Please, you can follow me. I'm going to be reading out of Revelation, chapter 19. I'm going to begin in verse 11. And this is so awesome for us. This is what we have to look forward to, my brothers and sisters. In verse 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. Amen? Jesus! Hallelujah! Jesus! And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed Him on white horses. Now out right of His mouth goes a sharp sword, with, with He should strike the nations, and He Himself will rule with them, them with a rod of iron. He Himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. I've shared with you many times, and I'm going to to do it again. We've got some new people in here. Uh, Was it S.M. Lockridge preached a message, That's My King. And man, and then there's a, a, a slide that I show every once in a while, and he talks about it. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit used him and how he's able to vocalize, that's my king. And so my brothers and sisters, I'm going to show that to you. If the Lord allows, maybe next week. I, I, I should have brought it this week, but maybe next week. That's my king. Who? Jesus. That one. That word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That word that died on a cross and shed his blood for me that's my king. That body that came out of that tomb alive, that's my king. That one that's coming back to take me out of here before all hell breaks loose on earth, that's my king. Amen? Amen. Easy to say, right? Easy to say. Hard to do. Hard to do. And I'm still working on that and I hope that you are too. So now we're going to go into 1 Samuel, we'll begin in chapter 8, and there'll be several scriptures, and yeah, if you want to kind of try to read along and follow along, I'm going to try my best to kind of summarize as much so I don't have to do a lot of reading. But many of you are familiar with this particular uh, passage, this particular time in Israel's history. Um, it's the time where Samuel is getting a little older now. Samuel, who was the judge, he was the prophet, he was uh, given uh, from the time he was a little boy. Um, to be the prophet of Israel, to be the judge of Israel, and now he's getting older, his sons are judging, but Israel is uh, demanding a king. Amen. Amen. Israel is, de- is demanding a king. Whew. I, I, I pass here I, I, I get a little I, I don't know why I'm so silly I guess I get a little emotional here <clears throat> You know the story. I mean, I'm. Trying. You know the story. I, I, I wonder though, if I excuse myself a little bit, and and I, I maybe I'm jumping the gun here, so please forgive me. But maybe as I'm pondering this and I'm getting ready to share with you these events, it just strikes, breaks my heart a little bit. Do I maybe um, I haven't? I, I, I'm, I'm so quick to say that's my king. Jesus is my king. But I've. You know, automatically I'm just so mindful of some of the things that I'm stumbling over in my own life and is that because really I'm my own king? Uh, is it because I have these plans and I have these, these imaginations or these things that even in my own mind they, they, they seem just, they seem right but have I really considered what thus saith the Lord over these things? Are, are you with me? So I, I paused there a little bit, so I apologize. But Israel now is demanding a king. I'm going to read to you uh, in 1 Samuel we begin chapter 8, beginning of verse 4. The elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old, your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when he said give us a king to judge us when they said give us a king to judge us so Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you for they have not rejected you but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them you see my brothers and sisters I know many of us are familiar with this passage and and in fact from this pulpit it's been preached and we've talked about it several times but I really want to you to know you know they they are giving the excuse who's they the, the elders of Israel are given an excuse. What they're saying is, you're getting older now, and your sons aren't like you. But God is not seeing it that way. Amen. See, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so it doesn't matter how I choose to justify not obeying the will of God. D- does that make sense to you? Because it's hitting hard on my heart. <clears throat> I, I, You, me, we you know, when we seem to to look at some circumstances or situations and look at others or even, you know, some of the things that are in our own hearts and we seem right, but in fact, how does God feel about it? And so in this situation, I think we have a perfect illustration as to, you know, God is, is, you know, God sees that as an offense to Him. It's not you. They're not rejecting you. He's seeing this as, you know, they're rejecting me. So even though in their own minds and in their own hearts, they're justifying their position. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're no Samuel. You're, you're Samuel's son, but you're certainly no Samuel. You're not just. You're greedy. You're, I don't go to church. Why? There's nothing but hypocrites there. Well, when you go, there'll be one more. No, no, no. I'm not trying to be facetious here. But look, at uh, I can't go to church because, fill in the blank, Come on, and and so, so, so look, I'm not just making this about church, but what I'm doing, my brothers and sisters, is how many times in a human sense, in an everyday life, do we as Christians make some of these excuses and some of these things? I can't tithe this week because money's too tight. I can't give an offering because fill in the blank. I'm not asking for money so nobody have a heart attack right now. I don't really care what you give, how you give that's between you and God. I don't even know what anybody gives. I think I said this on Wednesday or whenever. Michelle is the bookkeeper. I know nothing. Absolutely know nothing. I don't know about I don't know what you give, when you give, how you give. I don't know. I purposely do not handle money. I purposely do not look into the finances. I purposely do not touch it. Why? Because none of you could ever accuse me of asking you or directing a message at you or d- I know nothing. Nothing. And my ignorance is totally bliss as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Hallelujah. So when I say these things, I don't want you to get all upset Where he's asking for money. I'm not asking for money. Listen, and God, listen, God isn't asking for your money. He owns it all. He's asking for your heart. He's asking for your obedience. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if you're treasuring your finances, if you're treasuring the things that you can accumulate here on this planet, Guess what's happening? That's what's ruling you. That's, that's your king. Amen. You may think that you're accumulating it and it's serving you, but you're actually serving it. Hallelujah. Didn't plan that. Straight from heaven's... Come on. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh. Help me, Lord. So, my brothers and sisters, you know, Samuel, God tells him, do what they say. Give them, you know, heed their word. Do what they say. That's what he said. Heed their word. So he says to them, God says, okay, but when you do this, warn them, tell them what this king is going to be like, what a king, what a natural king will be like. And he does. Samuel warns But Here's what's going to happen. He's going to take your daughters and your sons. They're going to be his servants. He's going to put your sons. He's going to conscript your sons into his wars. He's He's going to take the best of what you have and keep it for himself, give it out. He's going to bribe his buddies. He's going to bribe and he's going to keep people close, the ones that he wants close to him. Now read this. I'm telling you in tony language, but here's what he's saying. He's saying that the ones that he wants to have favor with, he's going to grab from you and give to them. Boy, that sounds familiar. I'm not, listen. Well, there you go. He's got to be political. (laughs) I don't care what you say. The, The humans are the same. And God is warning. He's saying it then and he's telling us now. It's the same. Ecclesiastes, the preacher, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all the same. And that we're seeing it played out before our very eyes. And listen, my brothers and sisters, you and I, there's nothing, what am I going to do? Stop paying taxes? (laughs) Let's try that. If your name ain't Biden or Trump or who, I, whatever, name the name. I don't care. If I name the wrong name, everybody's going to be mad at me. Hey, if you, listen, if, there, if, there's, if you're in a certain persuasion and you try doing that, they're going to put you under the jail. Come on. So what do I do? It's, know what I do? I do what God has told me to do. Render unto Caesars the things that are Caesars and unto God the things that are God's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah so my brothers and sisters as the story goes um god speaks to samuel at this um, and the, at the same time uh the father of saul loses his donkeys and saul he sends out to go look for his donkey saul and his servants and saul and his servants are looking for the donkeys and it's a little while and saul says to his servant listen we better get back even though we can't find the donkeys pretty soon my father's going to start worrying about me and forget you know forget the donkeys so we need to go back but his servant says look there's a seer or a prophet and uh, maybe we should just go and ask him is there a ringing is okay can we fix that okay may, there, there's a seer or there's a, a prophet in um, maybe we could ask him and he'll be able to tell us where the donkeys are okay you remember this I, I see something out here it's awesome stuff so if I get it wrong talk to me later hey so so he says and he'll be well we don't have anything to give. we don't even have any food we ran out of food he said I got two pieces of silver we'll give him the silver see looking to pay have any of you bought two pieces of silver today I'd be willing to give you what thus saith the Lord if you come on see how quiet it is okay you know I'm only kidding right okay but wait but wait Listen to what I'm saying to you now. There are people doing that in the name of Jesus. And that's why it's harder for us who truly do serve the Son of the Living God to make arguments at some times. But it's okay. Because we still walk and live the truth. And God will call who He calls. Amen? Amen? We still do it. And even though there are some people who are dishonest and are in this for gain, that doesn't mean that it's any less true it's any less right it's any less righteous it's still the truth it's still righteous amen amen and Samuel wasn't in it for the money but again the the mindset the mindset so my brothers and sisters they go toward the the city where Samuel is they're going up on the hill they meet some women who are going to the well and yeah the he's gonna be here and so on and so forth and so they, they run into Samuel and God had whispered in Samuel's ear that today's the day you're going to see the one who's going to be the king. And what the Bible says about Saul, and this is why he is the people's king. What does the Bible say about him? Anybody remember? He was, at, he was as tall as Tony. He was at least a head above everybody else in Israel. Anthony, come here for me. Hurry up. Hurry, 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 hurry. hurry. So now here, here, here let's, let's look at this example here. Alright, now we're going to choose a king and it's one of us two to lead you in battle. <laughs> Are you feeling me? <laughs> right. but, but, but you see though, my brothers and sisters, do you see that? As silly as it is, and I know we kind of have a little bit of fun with it, but that's part of the thing. And not only that, he was handsome. See, now in that category maybe I'm <laughs> just saying, son, I love you son, but no, I'm just kidding. No, but think about that for a minute. It says that he was very handsome and he was at least a head above everybody else in Israel. That was the one who God knew that most of the Israelites would accept somebody like that. That's what they're looking for. I'm going to give them what they want. Is is that a fair statement? I think it is a fair statement because the Bible was very specific in telling us about his stature and about his looks. Amen? But yet there were still some who didn't want to accept him. And you know, remember, uh, when Samuel uh, spoke to him, I'm going to read to you um, Oh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm going to run down to chapter 10. I'm going to begin verse 5. So they meet, they speak, and God already whispered in Samuel's ear. And so in verse 5 of chapter 10, as I begin, after that you shall come to the hill of God. Now this is where Samuel is giving instructions to Saul. I apologize for the lack of context. He's giving instructions to Saul. After that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with stringed instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Look at verse 6 with me. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Hallelujah. Did you hear that? Yes. Watch. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, you will prophesy and you will be turned into another man. My brothers and sisters, that's what is supposed to happen to us when we become born again. That is what's supposed to happen to us. Come on, the Spirit of God comes upon us and we become another person. Listen, I didn't become not Tony anymore, but there was another being living on the inside of me that now is giving me life to my to my body. It, it revived my spirit and now there's another influence alive in me. Come on. Amen. Same thing with, with, uh, the, the, um, with Saul. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as occasion demands. You see what he's saying? So when these signs come to you, whatever, ha- whatever needs to be done, you make sure that you do it. Right? right. For God is with you. You shall go down before me at Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifice of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. Did you see that? God gave who? Samuel? No, Saul. God gave Saul another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Did you see that? the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and turned him into somebody else. When Samuel gave him all of those things, okay, now you go do this and meet me in seven days. We'll meet together. We'll make the, the peace offerings and the, and the sacrifice. And, and then when he turned his back to walk away, God changed his heart. Hallelujah. Something happened supernaturally. Just like something happened supernaturally to you and to me if we're truly born again. Hallelujah. If it didn't, my brothers and sisters, what are you waiting for? Don't wait for a sign. Don't wait for the heavens to open and and Jesus to come pop out of the sky. or It's not going to happen. What's happening is He's knocking on the door of your heart. He's telling you right now that there are some things that need to be cleaned up in your life that you can't clean, but I can. I want to come into your life. I want to be a part of your life. I want to save you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, time goes on, but Samuel, I'm sorry, I apologize, it's Saul. Saul goes in, and he goes back, and he's plowing the fields. Now, as he's plowing fields, he's hearing of uh, Jabesh Gilead. The people in Jabesh Gilead are under attack by the uh, Ammonites. And the Ammonites are threatening them, and they're telling them, hey, man, if you guys don't give up, we're going to cut all your right eyes out, and that's how it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. So, they send word throughout Israel. Word gets back to Saul. And now watch. If the Bible says, you could look it up later, the Bible says that he became, in, he became angry. Now this was in anger. Now watch. Remember, he's got the Holy Spirit on him. He had this anointing on him, and he became angry. And what he did was he responded according to what the situation told him that he should do. So what does he do? He cuts up a couple ox, and he, he sends it out, and he says, this is what I'm going to do to your livestock unless you join up with me, and let's go save our brothers only language, I'm paraphrasing, go and look at it. Amen. Are you with me? And so he amasses an army. And they go up and they defeat. Now, my brothers and sisters, prior to this, most of the people in Israel, as I'm reading, most of the people in Israel were okay, they're gonna follow Saul because especially the the word throughout Israel was when he was among those prophets with the flutes and the harps, and they were prophesying, he began to prophesy. The Spirit of God came upon him, and he's prophesied. Now the word is getting out. Is Saul a prophet also? And so now there's people, wow, this is good, this is great. But there's always those naysayers. And those naysayers were, what, are we going to follow him now? We're going to No, and they weren't. But then after this, everybody, come on, he defeated that army of the Ammonites. And he, it says that he defeated them so solidly that when they ran off, whoever was left, when they ran off, they weren't running off in twos. It was just singles. How Come on, he gave them a pretty b- big thrashing. Amen? That was... Then in chapter 12, now you have the coronation. Now you have all of Israel meeting and now they're going to make it official. They're crowning Saul king in chapter 12. Right? Okay. So when they do that, my brothers and sisters, Samuel uses that occasion. He says, okay, I'm going to step back a little bit now, but just remember this. And he tells them that you rejected God. I'm going to give it quick and I'm going to give it paraphrase. Basically, you know, since... Egypt you guys have been up and down with God you turn your back you follow other gods but God has never broken his covenant with you and he gives them the what for and now you've rejected God and he says listen it's and it's the time of wheat harvest and it never rains during the time of wheat harvest so he says what I'm going to do to let to show you how serious this is I'm going to make it rain during wheat harvest and sure enough it rained it rained there was lightning during the wheat harvest which it never did and so now they're saying oh and they repent now He says, he being Samuel, says, it will be okay, but you must obey God. Follow God. So you got a king, but you must be obedient to God. That's what he tells him. And oh yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. Amen? Okay. So now we go into chapter 13. Now about two years has passed. Approximately two years has passed. Now Saul, his son, Jonathan goes and takes his men because they've got some men now and Saul takes his men and he goes and he attacks a garrison of the Philistines and now the Philistines are all upset and so they're amassing an army and they're, go, they're about to attack and Saul starts to get a little bit panicked but now he was told this is a different time this is the same time that we read about a little while a couple chapters ago now it's another time where he was instructed by Samuel to wait seven days and he was going to meet with him at an appointed time at an appointed place Now this is happening and Saul starts to see what's going on around him and he starts to get a a little bit nervous. And so instead of waiting for Samuel to come and make the sacrifices, he takes it upon himself to start making the sacrifice because Samuel's running a little bit late. Come on. And so, okay, so now let me read. I'm going to pick up reading here in uh, 1 Samuel 13. I'm going to pick up in 7 and there'll be some on the board. But Just listen to me if you would please. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. Why? Remember, because the Philistines now are upset. They had a garrison attacked, and they're going to go in there and wipe them out. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. The people scattered from him. You hear that? Now it happened as soon as... um, I apologize. Now it happened as soon as he had... Uh, I, I, please uh, forgive me again uh, so Saul said bring a burnt offering and peace offerings to me here and he offered the burnt offering now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went to meet him and he might greet him big trouble right now big trouble right so look at the verse 11 with me and Samuel said what have you done what have you done so look at what he says and I've, I've done this specifically when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come with the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Here's all the justification. Here's all the justification. Then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. See, my brothers and sisters, look, I saw the people scattered from me. How many of you have had close friends or relatives scatter from you, no, not wanting to be associated with anymore, because you're trying to live the life? Amen. Come on, Amen. I see some heads nod, and I see some hands up. Come on, that happens. How many Come on, Now look, friends, and, and especially for our young people, if you're going to high school, especially these days, if you're in school or college or anything else, I mean it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Amen. Amen. Elle? Not everybody, and certainly even some of the folks that claim to be born-again Christians, whether it be in high school, whether it be in college, whether it be on your job, not everybody that says, Jesus is my king, acts like Jesus is their king. So it becomes even more difficult because when you're trying to live that life according to the scriptures, according to what God has laid on your heart, it's going to be more and more difficult. And, and let me tell you this, it's hard sometimes to be honest Now, me, me and my son have a good time with this. Uh, you, you've ever heard that Honest Abe, that commercial a long time ago, where supposedly his wife, and she says, does this dress make my bottom look big? And Honest Abe is, not, not, why? Because he don't want to say the truth. Now, that's, that's funny. It's facetious. But let me ask you something, my brothers and sisters. How many of you has, have you had the occasion? Don't raise your hand. Don't think about this. How many times have we, all of us, been in a situation where if we told the absolute truth in the moment, it was going to cost us something? Come on. Right? We, but we can't be afraid of that. We have to tell the truth in love. Be wi- Have wisdom. I've shared with you a story from a long time ago when I knew I was going to be pressed to tell the truth and was going to get somebody else in trouble and I was up all night, couldn't sleep and then the Lord spoke to my heart and I was able to answer the question with a question and let that person jump to their conclusion and there you go. That was wisdom from God. I did not lie. I did tell the truth. (laughs) Ask God. Mm -hmm. But see, instead, He's not asking God. You did not come within the days appointed. There was a time factor here. I felt an urgency. I felt an urgency. See, let me just remind you and me, me, that time factor is where faith works. Amen. Yeah. Come on. See, that, that's, where, that's where you know whether you have faith or not. That's where you know if God is your king or not. Amen. In that time period. Amen? The Philistines gathered together. Man, my enemies were right at the front door. It was, the, the catastrophe was waiting to happen it would happen at any moment if something bad was about to happen I had to make this decision you know my child was gonna it was in a bad place and I had to make this rash decision don't make a rash decision I had to make a bad I meant I had to make a rash decision because this was about to happen don't make, a, don't make a decision without God. Don't make a decision without the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah, but you don't know, Pastor Tony, sometimes time, I don't know, but God does. And if you trust Him, and if you love Him, and I know He loves you, He will answer in due time. Hallelujah. That's easy to say, Tony. I know you believe that, but you know, what, you're not living like I'm... I know it's not easy. I'm, totally, I'm like you. I know it's not easy, but I know what's right. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So you have this. I, I, I saw the people were scattered from me. I'm, I'm starting to lose friends. You know, I'm st- Even fellow, relatives don't want to be near me anymore. <clears throat> and, and it's taking too long, God. It's taking too long. When? I've been praying for this for years. It hasn't happened yet. When? His timing's perfect. Yeah, that's what preachers say. No it's not what preachers say it's not something I concocted it's something that he says so either I gotta believe that or I don't right the Philistines are gathered the, the, the catastrophe is about to happen see this very therefore I felt all of these things had an influence on my natural being. And I I now acted according to my natural, how I felt. Come on. I now acted according to an emotion, according to my own feelings, according to my own intellect, according to what I know. Come on. Has that ever gotten any of us in trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Man, we have this this perfect example. If Saul would have done exactly what God wanted him to do, it would have been all right with him. But he couldn't. He wouldn't. Did Saul have the same advantage that David had? Yeah, he did. Remember, the Lord came down, the Holy Spirit blessed him, anointed him, right? God, Listen, God changed him into another man. Didn't we read that a little while ago? God changed him into another man. Listen, God God gave him his heart. He changed his heart. Didn't didn't we read that a little while ago? Is it true? It better be. It's true. So did Saul have the same opportunity as David? Absolutely. But he chose differently. Why? He felt. He looked at the circumstances and situations and he felt. Come on. But see, I want to say something else to you. The Philistines will not come upon me and Gilgal have not made the supplication yet. I haven't been religious yet. See, to Saul now, that's about religion. It's about, I'm going to do this thing to appease God. This is like my good luck charm. Come on. Come on. Don't go to sleep on me. I'm going to do this thing because when I do this thing, I get the return from God. Mm. Let me read on. I'm going to jump now to uh, uh, thirteen, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Did you hear that? Was that is that true? It better be. So that that means everything if, if if Samuel, I'm sorry, if Saul would have obeyed, his kingdom would have been established forever. But look at verse 14 with me. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over the, his people, because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. You have no justification for disobeying the word of God. Period. That's it. No matter what the situation, no matter what, we can't justify it. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, great lesson the Lord. But look what it says there. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. What does that mean? Someone who uh, God has an affection for or someone who just has an affection for God? No. No. I, I'm, I'm seeking someone who wants what I want. That's the simplest way I could interpret that. Somebody who wants what I want. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we know who he's talking about there. And he picks out David. Now, we could, David had a lot of ups and downs in his life, didn't he? And not too long ago, we used him as an example as it relates to the power of God, being obedient to God. Remember when he slew the giant. Amen? Okay, but, but that, w- that was the beginning, right? When he started showing out that he was God's man. But my brothers and sisters, God was preparing him anyway. He was out there in the wilderness. He was tending the flock. He had a shepherd's heart, and and he was singing and making melody to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we know that there was something about David, right? So now remember, when Samuel goes to visit Jesse's house, David's father, uh, because he knows that it's going to be one of those folks, the first one, his oldest brother walks up, and he, like Saul, is big, strong, good-looking, and... Samuel right away says, okay, this is the man, there's a king in Israel, and God corrects him right on the spot. No, 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 no. You're looking at the outward. I'm looking at the inward, right? Hallelujah. And and Jesse didn't even think enough to bring David in with the first go around, right? David came in later. There's no one else. I just have my my younger son. He's out there taking care of the herd. Bring him. And that was the one. Amen? Why? Why? Because ultimately, he knew that David wanted what God wanted. God knows the end from the beginning. Now, did David do everything right? <laughs> Far from it. Far from it. Remember, if we go just brief you know, some highlights from David's life. You know, the first thing that happens is, you know, he, he defeats uh, Saul, I mean, the uh, giant... Um, Goliath, and then you know Saul is uh, becomes very jealous of him. He's very successful. You know Saul brings him in, makes him one of his men, and he's very successful in battle. He's a warrior, and he is. And you know, remember when they come back, and the Israelites are having the parade, and Saul slays his thousands, and David is ten thousands, and Saul is very jealous, and Saul just can't stand it, and he doesn't want David to be stricken. He wants him dead. So David spends his time ducking and dodging and at the same time he has his own wife who's against him, Saul's daughter. So he has all of this stuff kind of working against him but he still has God for him. Yes. Amen? Amen? And he even has a great friendship, a great bond with Jonathan, Saul's son. Yes. And, they, and Jonathan gives him a hint, man, when I shoot this arrow, if it, go, if, I, if it goes beyond, I tell the men to go, you go. That means it's not going to be well with dad and you need to get out of here. So David, and if you look at, and please forgive me, it's in Second Samuel. Uh, I, I forgot which chapter off the top of my head, so please forgive me. But anyway, David says to himself, "I need, I, you know, basically, God has already told him that you're going to be my king, and your king, your your rule will last forever." But now David, in fear for his life, he's looking at the circumstances and the situation. He flees. He goes. He says this, surely Saul is going to kill me if I hang around. But that's not what God said. So what David does is he goes and he camps with the Philistines, with the enemies of Israel. And he goes out and he takes plunder and he, they, he, he lies to them. So is, is it okay to lie? Because David lied. No. It's not okay to lie. David was not doing what was right but he's lying to the ruler uh, of the Philistines that he answers to. And in the meantime, he's going out and he's literally defeating some of the enemies of Israel, not Israel. And he's telling them that he's fighting Israel, but he's not. And he's bringing spoil from the other kings and the other peoples. And he's bringing it back and serving this king. Finally, he asks this king, you know, because the Philistines are rejecting David, so he asks this, king, this ruler, hey, can you please just give me my own piece of land? He gives him Ziklag. Right? So remember David and his six hundred men, and you know all the women and children, everybody that they had, and all their goods and all their possessions now they 're occupying Ziklag, right Remember that yes. okay, so now David goes out and he 's still you know fighting against israel 's enemies, but telling the king his ruler that hey i 'm fighting Israel, and while he 's away, the Amalekites come and get everything. See this was the turning point in david 's life this was this was one of those. This was one of those spiritual markers that all of us have. Uh, If if you are a child of God and you're sitting in this room or you're watching or listening, if you truly are a child of God, there are spiritual markers in your life. There are things that you can point to and say, God was teaching me something right there. Come on. And and I know there's a lot of you shaking your head yes, and I know that that's true. I I mean, I've done it. man. You ever notice that when you're right in the middle of something? And it seems like I can't take it anymore. Or man, God, this can't be you. Why are you letting this happen? And blah, blah, blah. And then you turn right around and you get out of it. Then you look back and you say, okay, God, now I know what you were teaching me. Now I understand where I made the mistake. Now I understand, God, what I needed to learn. Come on. See, some of you are saying yes and amen. Some of you, not so much. Okay, because some of you are still in that mindset of, no, God doesn't let anything bad happen to you. God's in charge of all of it I got news for you there's not anything that happens that he doesn't know about okay alright that's what the scripture says if you could tell me otherwise in scripture I'll believe you so David he, 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 he goes remember he's out they come back with his army and everything is gone they burned his town all the possessions are taken and now his men want to kill him so what does David do he says, "Okay, let me do something. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to and I'm going to I'm going to tell the ruler of the Philistines what I've been doing all this time. Hopefully, he'll side with me and we'll go after him and we'll get all our stuff." I feel like if I had more power, if I feel like if I had another if I had some another army to back me up, we can go and get these Amalekites and we'll get them. That's what I feel like. Yeah. No, you know what? I think I am so my own men want to kill me. I just Lord just take my life. I just want to commit suicide right now. I'm so depressed. I'm so down. Just end it, Lord. Just sm- just squash me like a bug. Nope. It says that they were all weeping so hard that they couldn't weep anymore. They had no more tears. And his own men wanted to kill him. And in the middle of all this, David does this. Bring me the ephod. Bring me that priestly garment. That thing that says I'm going to be with the Lord. So that represents I need to get in the presence of Almighty God and consult with Him before I do anything else right now. Before I go on how I feel. Before I go on how I believe. I gotta go and get a hold of God. Hallelujah! That's the man after God's own heart. Not the one that says I feel this, I think that, I might this, I might that. No! I gotta go get a hold of God. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah, did not react to the circumstances. First, he got a hold of God. Even his own men wanted to kill him. Have you ever been so pressed where you said, I'd be better off dead? You don't have to raise your hand. Come on. I know I have. Lord, just take me now. I'd rather be home. So now, if that causes you not to want to be here anymore, I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. Maybe I'm too transparent. I... I told you I'm a man who just happens to be able to prophesy hallelujah my brothers and my sisters listen you're not alone and God knows your heart and he knows and God will never leave you forsake you so in the middle of all of that grief in the middle of all of those circumstances he he God is with you all you have to do is put on that ephod get along with him consult him and don't listen You need endurance. Sometimes you just got to wait because that's where the faith is. Amen? Amen. So David got a hold of God. Waited on God. God, what should I do? Shall I pursue? Go. God said go and you will recover everything. Hallelujah. Does it always work out that way? No. No. Listen, David suffered other things in his life, didn't he? A bunch of other things in his life. And a lot of those other things were because of his own decisions. Isn't that right? right. Well, God, you, you no. Know, listen, if you're obedient, if you walk my way, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be bad stuff because you're still living in this world. But I'm going to be with you and you'll know I'm with you and I'm going to see you through it or I'm going to get you over it. Either way, you're not alone. You're yoked up with me. We're going to get through this. Amen? Okay, so now David, I'm going to read to you, uh, it happened in 2 Samuel, just write it down, it'll be up on the board. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning verse 1, once I read this, you guys are going to say, oh yeah, I know that. Okay, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all of Israel, that they destroyed the people of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked out to the roof of the king's house. And from there, that roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Bathsheba. So, so, so why am I saying that? Listen, there's a reason why this is included in the scripture. In the spring of the year, when the kings go out to battle, who was the king? David. Where was he? Not at the battle. He wasn't doing what God had called him to do in that moment. And because he wasn't doing what God had called him to do, he opened himself up. Okay? Now, was it customary that the we could I suppose this, I don't know, was it customary for a woman to go out that time, that day, to bathe naked so that the king could see her? I don't know. I would say probably not. However, the king should not have been there. Come on. So we could try to roll this up and say, well, the devil had a plan. Bathsheba had a plan. And Yet, let me tell you this. The devil does have a plan for you too. If you are trying to walk this life according to God's word, you have a target on you. When you don't, you're, not, you're no threat to him. He ain't going to worry about you. But the minute you start trying to walk this life according to the purpose and plan of God, you become a threat and you have a target. And let me just tell you this as well. Just by virtue of you having the spirit of the living God in you, you're going you're gonna to suffer troubles and because this isn't your home. You're a stranger in a strange place. Sometimes you just get homesick. No, come, come on! Am I, am I, I'm telling the truth. Sometimes I just want to be with Jesus. I know I've got Him in my heart. I know I'm yoked up with Him. But sometimes I just want to be with Him. Sometimes I just want to, I just want to see Him. I just, I, I'm looking for that time when I can get in front of Him. Come on. Oh, yeah. Wow. But, but see, look. Here's the beautiful thing. This is why I don't understand why people don't come to church. Coming to church and being with you I get, I get some of that. I get a bit of that. When we're singing songs, when I'm allowed to minister to you, when I'm allowed to speak the word of God, and God, let this word, this preaching, the silliness of preaching, which you've ordained to change hearts and minds, Father, let it do it right now, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So that even the hearer is blessed, but the speaker is blessed. I'm blessed. And I, I shared, was it Wednesday? I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Sunday. They all run together until he's getting old. I know. But listen, uh, I'm having a rough day. Steve comes in my office and we're talking. We start talking about the scripture. Guess what? The day's not so bad anymore. But my whole spirit and attitude changed. I just had to reprimand somebody. I just had somebody tell me how ugly I am. The same thing. So now, watch. All of a sudden, we're talking about the word of God. We're talking about scripture. That's that's way back in that rearview mirror. Not, my whole spirit changed. Hallelujah. I feel that way when I'm in church. I hope you do too. Whether God is stepping on your toes or whether you're just saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I knew that scripture. But man, that, that just came alive in me today. Isn't that awesome? And so you can leave out of here with a little more pep in your step, forgetting what's back there. Oh yeah, I got a target and the enemy's going to be waiting for me. But I got something for him right now. Hallelujah. something for him. I'm just loaded. I'm just ready to go. Hallelujah. I've got some more ammo. Hallelujah. See, that's what it's all about. So David, he suffers this thing, right? And this is a major... His own son turned against him. All of these ups and downs that David had through his life. But David still always came back. I'm going to read to you from Psalm. I, I, I want to read to you from the Psalm now. This is part of when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan... Remember, and Nathan told him, you, you're the one. You committed these sins because David committed all those sins. First, he committed adultery with Sheba. Then he had her husband killed and then he took her for his wife. My brothers and sisters, he did all of that and God still allowed him to be king. God still didn't wipe him out. There was still something. Now listen, if you guys think that that's an excuse, wait a minute. Now, I know we're laughing, but, but, but understand. I, I've heard just recently uh, pastors in churches talking about how um, you know, people like me who preach holiness, you know, we're either just angry or we're just religious. Okay, call me what you want. I, I, I'm, and I'm not in any way saying to you, anybody in here, that I am perfect and I've got this nailed. But here's what I do know. God has called me, you, us, we to perfection. God has called us with a holy calling. He's called us with holiness to holiness. So if I start to get into my mind a little bit about, well, you know, God is loving, He's kind, He's merciful, I'm diminishing the righteousness of God. I'm diminishing the justice. I'm diminishing the holiness of God. He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. Amen? So when I go ahead and I take the holiness, righteousness, and justness for granted, then aren't I shaking my own fist in God's face? Can, can I really say he's my king? My, so, so I'm just going to read a portion from Psalm 51. Now, when you go home, please read Psalm 51. That's David, and he's confessing, and he's asking for forgiveness from the Lord. In verse 15, he says this, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. So look, no matter what religious thing you think you should do, no matter what you think to earn righteousness or or if I do this, God's going to do that. If I say, no. You see what he's saying here? I'm broken before you. That means, listen, I'm broken. My will is not mine. I'm giving up my will. I'm giving myself to you, to your will. That's what, he's, that's what this is saying. Right? Anybody in here know anything about horses? I tried to use this example a long time ago when I was preaching in Blanton one day and they just tore me up because I didn't say it just right. They wouldn't let me go. I'm telling you something. But, did, but you don't know, I know this much because I've seen it on TV. I'm not, I'm not a cowboy but you know they, they, they ride that horse and they have to bit in the mouth and they choke it back and they, they gotta, and they break that horse's will isn't that what happens to a great degree they break that horse's will by that bit and, and just and dogging it and, and just staying with it alright so now if you're a cowboy or if you're somebody that knows something about horses and I didn't say it exactly right don't write me don't, I'm not going to read I don't care the point you know the point that I'm trying to make not my will Lord your will and not look not your will because I want something from you yes I'm gonna do this lip service no my heart your heart I want Lord I truly want what you want is there anybody in here that says that and means it Lord I want what you want come on see cuz remember where we are where are we is he your king does he have rule over your life and and listen do you look at him as a hard taskmaster man, i got to do this stuff because if I don't do this stuff, He's going to send me to hell. He's not sending you to hell. He's not, he's not. He's giving you a choice. Yeah, well, what kind of a choice is that? A great choice, I would say. Absolute great choice. I'm going to read to you and this will be the last scripture of the day. It's not going to be up on the board. Since Christ suffered, this is First Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Is God the king of my life? Is God the king of my life? Do I want his will? Is my, listen, am I a man? Are, are we people after God's heart? Do we want what God wants? Or do we somehow try to manipulate and manage so that kind of what we want and what God wants is kind of similar? Do we rationalize and do we do those things? Because I'll be honest with you. Listen, it's not wrong. listen. It's not wrong for you to have goals or, or things like that as long as you've consulted with God, as long as the goals that you have are in line with what He has called you to Amen. if He's your King. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, please. Hey, I, w- I wonder as you're standing, um, has this ministered to anybody? I mean, do you... Do you I'm, I'm telling you, honestly, it ministers to me. I, I know that I'm in need of you know reevaluating and making sure of every area of my life that God is truly my king in every area of my life. I can't justify and say, well, you know, uh, I'm a manager at this place, so I have to do certain things a certain way. Uh-uh. God is, a, God is the king of my life in every area of my life. So, so I want you to, to, to have that in mind and in your heart as well. In every Listen, are the disappointments and the things that you're going through, are they causing you to either be depressed, or to consider maybe, look, my feelings in this moment, are more important than what God wants, so I'm going to be led by my feelings, and not so much what I know God wants. Are, are you, listen, I'm not trying to point any fingers at anybody, or condemn anybody. No, 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 no. This is Holy Spirit speaking to people, speaking to hearts. Come on. Well, you know what, I'm, I've been so concerned, and, and I've got this issue, and that issue, and the other issue. Okay. Okay. Have you given it to God? Is God the king of your life? Amen. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Some of you already have. I I appreciate it. I'm not going to ask you again. Listen. I think, I know, that there are many here and watching and listening that know that God is dealing with you in a real and a specific way. I know it. So I'm going to say this last thing and then we're going to pray. Whatever you think the most important thing in your life is right now, if it's not God, you're wrong. So Father, here we are before you and we thank you, Lord, for your word which ministers to us. Lord, I pray that everything that we are, Father, that comes under your will. Everything that we are, Everything that we do, Lord, help us. It seems like such a a broad request and and impossible. But Lord, I know that all things are possible with you. And Lord, I know that in this moment, under the sound of my voice, there are many people who would say yes and amen. We want to please you, Lord. We want our heart to be your heart. We want what you want. So, Lord, first I would say by your Holy Spirit, reveal your will to us. Your general will, yes, absolutely. But, Lord, specifically to us as individuals, please reveal your will to us. And, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit which will empower us to do your will. Lord, first I pray that you would give us a hunger and thirst to read and understand your word. And, Father, and thank you again for giving us the understanding but then also the power to do. Lord, forgive us For the shortcomings. Father, for even the things we just did this morning, even the, the way we acted or acted in the flesh, help us, Lord. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. We ask for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, Lord. Let this word go down deep inside and stir something up. Lord, let us be stirred. Hallelujah. Lord, let us be your holy warriors. Father, in Jesus' name, let us be fully armed and dangerous that we may be, bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus in this lost and dying world. It's in your great name, Jesus, that I pray and ask these things. And everyone who believe and trust it, said, amen. 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 Listen, if there's something specific that you would like for us to pray with you about, please don't leave here before we do it. I'd love to pray with you and have other people pray with you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, God bless you. Go in peace. Have a great week.